Star Trek has never been just one thing. While we tend to think we know what Star Trek is now, its worldview, themes, and approach to storytelling, as well as its backstory, and even characterizations, all came together over time and were shepherded by diverse voices, including those of the fans after the 60s series ended. The ideas we associate with Trek are flexible, shifting and changing over time, depending on who is writing it, and even who is watching. In this sense, then, Star Trek itself is a mirror universe. Or, to put it another way, Star Trek's real mirror universe is our universe. In this podcast, we'll be gazing into the mirror that is Trek, and focusing on how that reflection can shift and change. As Garrick once said, Star Trek, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. For a franchise about boldly going where no one has gone before, Star Trek has often been remarkably conservative in style and format, sticking to tried and true tropes and formulae. Crew encounters Planet of the Week. Ethical dilemma arises. And only a delicate balance of solemnity, speeches and double-handed karate chops can cut through the Gordian knot. But in August 2020, Star Trek tried something different. It tried to be irreverent. It tried to be light-hearted and to poke fun at itself. It tried rapid-fire dialogue and punching straight through the fourth wall. It tried Star Trek Lower Decks. Did it work? Let's find out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, another special episode of uh, the Star Trek Mirror Universe podcast. As always, uh, I'm Adam Prosser. With me is Douglas McDonald-Norman from Canada and Australia. G'day from Canada and Australia, rep- uh, respectively. respectively. Uh, so we've called to order this uh, special uh, episode of Mirror Universe Podcast because uh, of the momentous occasion of Douglas finally watching Star Trek Lower Decks, which he had not done before now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, of course, he had a lot of exciting things and exciting ideas he'd like to share uh, uh, regarding this TV show. And he, uh, I think he liked it. Douglas, you want to tell us about it? <laughs> I liked it a lot, Adam. I liked it far more than I expected. I liked it far more than I thought that my jaded elderly heart could like anything anymore. As Adam has noted, and as I've consistently admitted over the course of the podcast, I hadn't seen Star Trek Lower Decks, and that's for a few reasons. One is that I'm a busy person with any number of interests outside Star Trek, like work and commuting to and from work. But to be honest, and I don't think I'd properly expressed this before, I'd seen the first scene where Mariner fights Boimler, and I thought it looked embarrassing and it wasn't for me. I thought it seemed like a very bog-standard, contemporary animated show, focusing far more on speed and agility and references rather than heart or soul. And I was so wrong. I loved Star Trek Lower Decks. I loved the characters. I loved the plot. I loved its relationship to the history of the franchise. I didn't love every single joke, but they came at such a fast and rapid clip that even the ones I didn't like were rapidly superseded by the ones that I did. I have had a whale of a time watching the first two seasons of Star Trek Lower Decks, having basically inhaled them over the course of about a week or so. 
and I am so excited for the future of this show. And indeed, I'm excited for what this potentially means about the future of the franchise and how it relates to itself, which is, of course, one of the recurring themes of this podcast. Adam, what do you think of Star Trek Lower Decks? Um, well, uh, I uh, I liked it quite a lot as well. I, I really enjoyed it. It's a very enjoyable show. It's it's funny because I have to con- I have to I have to sort of think of it as how do I enjoy it just straight up how do i enjoy it as a comedy and how do i enjoy it as star trek and it's funny because um i would actually say as a comedy it's good but it's not amazing it doesn't you know there's a few solid chuckles every episode there's a there were a couple episodes that had me laughing out loud um as a comedy i'm not sure it's a hugely successful uh thing but it's it's funny um it because it is trying to do two things it's trying to be star trek and comedy at the same time which is in and of itself a very difficult thing to pull off and um the fact that it pulls it off as well as it does is very impressive i would say uh you know every episode you could take out all the comedy of most episodes and you would have a good star trek episode uh so, you know they they could have abandoned that and just done a full on comedy in and of itself and not cared so much about the quote rules of star trek uh but they do uh they care about that as well um and that's been pretty impressive to my mind they've also as you mentioned uh and as a lot of people were afraid in the early going that it was going to be rick and morty and it was going to be cynical and nihilistic and it was going to be mocking star trek and you know talking about how silly and stupid star trek was and and uh and sort of uh, undermining it and you can make a case that it does undermine Star Trek a little bit, but no more so than any other show going back to the Berman era does. And in fact, going back to the original series does, I would say, um, because that's always what, as we've talked about multiple times, that's kind of what Star Trek has always been doing. It's been poking holes in its own premise and, and recontextualize it and problematizing it and being dialectic about it. Um, <clears throat> That's that's part of what uh, Lower Decks is doing. Uh, I'm always impressed that uh, of the new Star Trek shows, uh, it's the one that's least engaging with the Abrams era, as it were. It is very much straight up coming directly off of the Berman era, whereas everyone else is, uh, you know, trying to create this new look. Uh, maybe a, one or two points of of uh, theme that are from the Abrams era that you don't see as much from the Berman era. It just wholeheartedly embraces them. One of the, I think, one of the main things I would point to is that uh, the way that the Tellarites have been redesigned uh, in the Abram, the post Abrams era, uh, or let's call it the Kurtzman era, I guess. Um, and um, but Lower Decks still uses the old Tellarite design, even though they're animated. Uh, for that matter, it does that with the Klingons as well. Although maybe that's a subtle, more subtle. Uh, differentiation but um so this is very much the work of people who absolutely love the berman era probably more than any of the other shows arguably uh you could get into it about picard because i think um uh michael chabon really likes the berman era as well uh but then that was rewritten by the kurtzman era i think uh, by 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 kurtzman and other people but i think yeah lower decks is absolutely uh the the, the Bermaniest Trek. And there's also the question of whether this is even continuity, which let's, you know, you can never resolve that question. And I don't know, if, <laughs> I don't know if there have ever, Star Trek's ever been that interested in resolving that question either. Uh, but it's, it, you know, I'm perfectly happy to just accept that this isn't in continuity with other Star Trek shows, if that's what it takes. Uh, but it doesn't actually 
significantly break with that continuity either. So let's say it is. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's been a tremendously enjoyable show to watch uh, week after week, and and it is very much like because I'm such a huge Star Trek nerd, of course I'm doing the Leonardo DiCaprio point at everything uh, that they throw in there, all the little uh, references. The fact that the, the finale of the latest episode had uh, en- Ensign Sonia, um, I've forgotten, Gomez, I think her last name is, uh, who appeared in like two episodes of Next Generation. Now she's a captain uh, and they got the actress back. I mean, that's just exactly the kind of thing I, I think is wonderful because it's not just a, it's not just a, uh, hey, look, Easter egg. It's, it's, it creates the sense of an ongoing evolving world it really feels like more than that it feels like yeah we that character was kind of neat we're going to give her another chance and the world of star trek kept going when we weren't watching and it's it, you know it, it, it's more than just a call out it's it's something really really cool and clever um so so i think it's been very and and i think the the it's it's also been getting lower decks has been getting better and better and better as it goes along i think uh by the second half of second season it's a tremendously strong uh show and i really i really think it's it reached those uh uh reach a height i definitely agree that i think lower decks has been getting better and i think that goes to the first thing that you've mentioned that balance between comedy and star trek and it's interesting to pose those as opposites or as in competition or in balance with each other because of course there's always as you noted been comedic elements to star trek there are episodes of most of the shows although curiously neither of the modern live action shows that you could describe as being straight out comedic in their approach and yet lower decks i think is different insofar as it's not so much aiming to be a pure comedy but it's aiming to get that balance between comedy and star trek in a different measure not so much prioritizing one over the other perhaps but perhaps different ratios of the two and i think over time especially in the second season it has gotten much better at that balance not to say that it's gotten more star trek or more comedic but gotten a better sense of how the two the two objectives can serve each other I'm not necessarily sure that I'd agree that you could strip out the comedy and have a good Star Trek adventure out of each of them. If only in so far as I think Lower Deck's tone does differ quite dramatically from the other shows, not just in terms of comedy, but in terms of pace. Everyone talks very, very quickly. Plots move very, very, very quickly. There's an emphasis on speed. I think a lot of Star Trek shows, even the good ones, have traditionally missed or have not done in the same way. And that part of that's just because of the media of animation and part of that's because it's a half-hour show. But it feels so much lighter on its feet than, certainly, than Disco and Picard do, which, even in their good moments, often feels so leaden and so heavy and so conscious of the gravity of what they're doing. And that, I think, is one of the really refreshing things about this show, because it bears also upon its relationship with the history of the franchise. When Disco and Picard call back to earlier shows, or call back to the history of the franchise, often it does feel so solemn. You know, this is a big moment, we're going to finally find out what Riker's up to. Or, uh, in Picard, when there's this solemn announcement, you helped out a friend of mine, a friend named Quark. And it just feels like a show that's not so much 
employing its past, but almost weighed down by it in some ways. Really, really conscious, we are the next instalment in this big and weighty franchise to which every reference needs to be handled with a degree of reverence. Whereas Lower Decks, while at the same time being an extremely continuity-heavy show, doesn't feel quite so reverential. It feels like it at once acknowledges the previous shows and then can move on from it in a fairly rapid clip or indeed can poke fun at it and is able to acknowledge with some is able to acknowledge explicitly as part of the text things that we as fans have always talked about but which I don't think the show itself has acknowledged in the same way like for example that sometimes Q shows up and the re- or rather sometimes throughout Starfleet Q shows up or on the Cerritos once Q shows up and the crew's reaction is not, oh my god, he was on the next generation. It is instead, oh god, it's Q. <laughs> and there's an element of that on Voyager, but at the same time, on Voyager, Q showing up is treated as a big thing. He shows up and distorts the whole narrative, narrative gravity of the show. Whereas Lower Deck's attitude towards Q is perhaps closer to that of the fandom as a whole. Q is a bit ridiculous and everyone knows that he's obsessed with Picard, and it doesn't deserve to be treated altogether seriously. And so I think Lower Decks is definitely a show made by people who love Star Trek. And I don't think it's different in that regard from Disco or Picard, which, contrary to some takes, I think are made by people who have enormous affection and respect for Star Trek. But I think the difference between the three is not which show loves Star Trek the most... I'd argue it is which show has the healthiest relationship (laughs) towards Star Trek. Not as an object of reverence, not as something that happened in the past and we need to work within the ruins or within the confines of what's happened before, but which reacts to Star Trek in the same way as fans do. This is a show for which we have great affection, but where that great affection allows us to acknowledge that large amounts of it are deeply silly and stupid, in the way that you can acknowledge that a family member is sometimes deeply si- si- silly and stupid and yet lovable all the same. Yeah, I, I actually want to go... Okay, well, one small disagreement with what you said where there's the Disco and Picard are, are very serious. There was one episode of uh, Discovery I would describe as comedic, and that's uh, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. I would say that was a largely a comedic episode um there might and there were certainly comedic stuff uh like subplots but you're right that's the only episode that's a pure comedy and uh and felt like it was trying to call back to the original series in many ways as a like a trouble with tribbles episode or a harry mudd episode which of course it was um the other thing was um uh okay so you're right that yes if you took the comedy out of lower decks it would be a very odd uh, episode of Star Trek. I'm not, <laughs> wouldn't disagree with that. I was, I was a bit, I was uh, compressing a little bit. Um, as you say, the pacing—that's the thing—and it's partly by virtue of being half an hour, and partly by virtue of being animated, uh, which actually brought up something that I thought was actually kind of interesting. And it's something that um, I'd actually like to see more of in Lower Decks. And I thought they were getting a little bit closer to at the end of the second season. This isn't like a major criticism of the show, uh, but the whole premise, as it was presented was that uh, a they're on a ship that does quote second contact which is to say it's the one that essentially cleans up the messes left by captain kirk types um and it's also of course about the lower deckers it's about the non 
senior staff crew members. Uh, in both those cases, uh, that implies a whole level of narrative, which I think that the show being um, animated uh, and the the nature of the stories that they're trying to tell and so on, uh, it actually fights with that a bit because um, there were episodes of Next Generation that were more low-key than any episode of Lower Decks. Uh, there were more episodes of Star Trek that were literally, uh, of Next Generation, that were literally just about the day-to-day life of the crew uh, than there have been Lower Decks. Lower Decks, despite the premise, they have not done any episodes of like, well, this week we're scrubbing out the holodeck and that's all that we're going to do, but there's a character drama because it's about the characters. And the, the sci-fi stuff is going to be minimal, or you know, even if there is sci-fi stuff, it's fine, but it's not about apocalyptic ship threatening things it's just what do these people do because by nate by definition they're not the officers so they're not getting into all kinds of excited exciting adventures every week necessarily they, they've got the the grunt work uh they acknowledge that more in the later episodes of the second season that which i really appreciated and they have started to do more about okay we're showing up at this this uh this planet that has already been visited and we're following up with some routine diplomatic stuff i think uh, oddly enough one of the things i thought about was brooklyn 99 and i had this criticism of brooklyn 99 as well again not not really a criticism so much as a, a potential that they don't hit which is that um police work a lot of it is you know very mundane uh hitting the streets following up leads interviewing people doing paperwork stuff that is not in any way exciting or cinematic but if you are dealing with a comedy you can actually acknowledge that in a way that you can't in a dramatic show because the dramatic show you're just going to be bored silly but in a comedy the point is not the work you're doing so much as the interaction interactions between characters and i always thought that show had the potential to just be like to be in some ways a more realistic cop show than other cop shows <laughs> but they could have filtered it through a comedy in the same way that you know the office is just about a paper supply company nobody cares about the paper supply company it's just a, 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 a an excuse for these characters to bounce off each other so i felt like they could have done something like that with lower decks and they uh they don't to the degree i'd like them to i'd like to see more episodes that are like data's day on next generation or um or even i mean there's the family episode which is post that's specifically about the fallout from the borg uh but it is still like an episode that's just catching our breath and just seeing what all the various crew members are up to and there's a few episodes like that there's the one where picard uh gets romantically involved with a crew member like they're very low-key the one where data gets uh, involved with as well uh like there's science fiction stuff that kind of gets stuck in there but it's it's about their their low-key uh personal lives and i think that's something lower decks could have explored and still could uh explore in really interesting ways but because it's an animated show and because they're trying to do and it, it, it it's also funny that lower decks in some ways bears the brunt of being a post-nemesis show. Uh, what I mean is that up until last year, up until Lower Decks, um, we had not seen anything that happened after, on the timeline of Star Trek after Nemesis, other than time travel episodes or alternate future episodes and so on. Um, and that was the year it all broke loose. We got Picard, we got the third season of Discovery, and we got Lower Decks all at once. And they were all suddenly building a rough timeline of what has happened after the Berman era, which is what most Star Trek fans, I think, wanted to see. And I think um, that while I don't think 
Lower Decks necessarily felt like, oh, wow, we've got to live up to that. It was just a continuation of the Berman era. I don't think they felt like, oh, we've got to establish what happened to the Dominion or so on. But it is... It was swept up in that, I think. And so I think there was a certain sense of, well, there's an importance to this that wouldn't exist if Star Trek had been just a finely tuned puttering machine for the last few years uh, that let us do that. I think that's a really interesting point that of carrying the burden of what happened in 2380 onwards, because Picard obviously alludes to it from a point of view of decades later, but... Lower Decks is, for all intents and purposes, the only show we're going to get that shows us life on the Titan, that shows us immediately where the last Next Generation movie picked off. And I think that ties exactly into your point about the show departing from its premise to some extent, that it's that tension between being the only show in the immediate post-Next Generation era and its initial different ambitions and trying to balance the two against each other. Now, I would suggest that the fact that Lower Decks has travelled quite some way away from its original premise is one of the most Star Trek things about it, because there has been almost no Star Trek show that has well and truly adhered to its original premise from beginning to end. Starting out with a good idea and then getting sidetracked is one of the most Star Trek things available. But I definitely see that drift that you're talking about. The, And I think as they've moved into this idea of broader galactic plots involving the Pakleds and the idea of a Klingon conspiracy to disrupt the peace between the Federation and the Klingons, stuff which is on a vastly greater macroscopic scale than the idea of cleaning the holodeck after Ransom has been in there. I think that has inevitably drawn in the senior crew to a much larger extent and has just changed the nature of the stories that they're telling. I'm actually surprised at how much of a role that the senior crew have played, that they've gone from being sort of quasi-faceless authority figures to the captain and Ransom and Billups being as much a part of the ensemble as the core four characters and um, Dr. Tiana. So it's... It, and Shax. And I think that's actually a really interesting... Oh, go on. Oh, and Shax, yes. Um, whose journey back from the dead <laughs> and subversion of Star Trek's traditional treatment of journeys back from the dead being one of my favourite things <laughs> that this show has ever done. Yeah. Which... And I think that's actually... Like I said, it's at once acutely conscious of the history of Star Trek and yet at the same time not feeling wedded to treating it with any real solemnity. People come back from the dead, and it's a thing that happens sometimes, and it's something that the show can at yes. once gaze at clear-eyed. This is a horrifying thing. Yeah, that is and exactly... Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. Uh, mm. But yeah, that's that's oh, exactly... That is closest to what, what I was expecting from Lower Decks and what I want, which is just like crazy stuff is happening off screen and they did it with uh the titan and Riker to a small extent as well although boimler was involved in that as well but it's that sort of yes crazy star trek stuff is happening at the edges of the frame and it's only going to tr mildly impact us that's the kind of thing that's why i say the second season i think got actually closer to the premise uh, as it was initially laid out um anyway sorry go on oh no no, no. I, I i'm actually really glad you bring that up because that idea of the show actually seems pretty close to the original idea for the Voyager episode, I think Once Upon a Time, the one where Neelix and Naomi are in the holodeck, where the original idea of that episode was going to be that Neelix and Naomi were in the holodeck 
and that Neelix was desperately trying to distract Naomi because there was some sort of horrible battle or war going on outside and occasionally the main characters would pass into the holodeck and they'd have injuries or wounds or there'd be some sort of red alert going on and it would be an entire episode where the big massive cosmic events were in the margins and where what was really at the core of the story was the relationship between these two characters for whom this was backdrop but not central. Or, if you like, um, In the Cards from Deep Space Nine, where you've got Jake and Nog on an extremely low-stakes adventure with Hmm. the threat of war sort of looming in the background, tying into it, but where the real drama of the story is not will Bajor make peace with the Dominion, it's will Jake manage to make his father happy at a really stressful time. And, I mean... I hadn't thought of it. I would actually quite like it if Lower Decks did that more often, that you have these vast events more as periphery or as context, but with the real drama being the characters' relationships to each other. If anything, I think the second season has sometimes not gotten that balance right because it has moved the big cosmic space drama more towards the centre of the show, even while involving our characters in it. But um, I, I, w- I would slightly disagree, uh, just because um, uh, there was uh, the episode, uh, for instance, that was all about them cleaning out uh, all the artifacts that the, the and it was that storyline didn't intersect with what the officers were doing at all, and they were involved in a big uh, battle. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Tendi got turned into a monster, and they had to talk her down. And the, the two the, the two uh, plots didn't intersect at all, uh, and it was very much just the business of the lower deckers. It was still a big, exciting sci-fi plot line. Uh, but it was just, it wasn't actually something the main character, and, and I'd argue that, and then of course they did uh, the second last episode, I think, of the season, which was the lower decks of the multiple other ships, uh, the Klingon ship and the Vulcan mm. ship, and and then eventually, and the Packledge ship and the Borg ship eventually, <laughs> were just what's happening on the lower decks of those ships. So, like, you can see it's in their mind, and they are impacting on it, and it's, you know, you can argue that maybe, uh, again, it's maybe the fact that they only have half an hour 10 half hour episodes a year to play around with uh they can't delve into it as much as they'd like but i i felt like the focus was getting a little better on it in the second season no, that's very fair i thought the multiple lower decks across multiple different crews episode to be honest i think that was my least favorite episode of the season just because i was not all that invested in any of the lower deckers except for our lower deckers and because I think it's really, really hard to make a Vulcan ship. I didn't think that that Vulcan ship was particularly uh, compelling. I think it is one of those things which is really interesting on an intellectual level. But watching characters very slowly and patiently explain their thought processes to each other in a subdued and steady voice is A, not compelling drama, and B, is sort of what I do for work all day. And <laughs> Not all that compelling there either. Uh-huh. Um, so, so that having been said, uh, but I, 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 th- I, I definitely can see that they're still trying to find interesting ways of making that original premise work. I don't think they've departed from it entirely, and I think they've sometimes had some success with it. If anything, um, the the lowest stakes episode of of the show where nothing really matters and it is entirely about the characters' relationships to each other, is Crisis Point, which is at the same time possibly the loudest and most dramatic episode of the show, that being the one in the holodeck where Mariner is trying to work out her issues with Captain Freeman, um, where the holodeck safeties are on, 
and it is purely basically playing a video game and yet at the same time I think that a it is the point where a lot of people did sit up and take notice wow this show is actually trying really interesting and dramatic things and B for my part was where I was like wow when this show hits hard it can really really hit hard even if we are basically just watching lower deck characters playing a video game um, I wouldn't mind talking about Crisis Point at some length because A, it is possibly the most self-aware episode of the series to the point of being the show's closest engagement with the Abrams era, with the immortal line, oh, this is a movie, you can do all kinds of beaming stuff in a movie, <laughs> and also by virtue of being really good. What did you think of Crisis Point? Uh, I, I liked it. Um, it wasn't... Um... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought it was good. I, I think it sounds like you liked it more than I did, uh, but but yeah. it was well done. Um, and uh, I did like, as you say, that the, the safeties were on and that it wasn't, oh, you were going to get killed by the holodeck yet again. It was uh, a purely psychological process that had to be worked out. I thought that was well. Uh, the fact that they were goofing on, of course, the, the various movies in a couple of different ways, including the extremely long tracking shot of the uh, the ship when they first come in. Um, uh, I uh, I don't know if I have all that much to say about it, so I'll just toss it back to you. Uh, <laughs> what you'd like to say about Crisis Point? So I, for those who don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of which episode is which, um, a I'm really, you should spend more time developing an encyclopedic knowledge of which episode <laughs> is which, because that process has made me a considerably happier and better functioning person. But secondly, Crisis Point, as I've noted, is the episode in which um, Beckett Mariner's mother, Captain Freeman, has recommended that she go to counselling. And rather than do so, she has engaged in an extremely violent holodeck program in which she murders the entire crew resisted by the hologram of Mariner herself and the two engage in effectively a dual slash psychological breakdown explaining how Mariner really feels about the crew and of course about her mother. The reason why I go into this summary is that part of what I was afraid about this show wasn't just that it would be irreverent about Star Trek. I think that it's the only healthy attitude to Star Trek is to be irreverent about it but that it would feel completely hollow, that it would be a Family Guy-style show of needless references, of complete and utter cynicism. I'm fine with a show not taking Star Trek seriously. What I was afraid of was a show that didn't take anything seriously and that consisted nothing of sight gags and rapid-fire movement not going anywhere. But Crisis Point is a deeply emotional and sincere show, and I think that illustrates one of the ways in which Lower Decks is in great consistency with the rest of Star Trek. It is a show capable of genuine, deep sincerity about Mariner's love for her crew, about Mariner's love for her mother, about what the characters mean to each other, that it's not just saying silly things and running around, that they are capable of hurting each other, that they do care what each other think about each other. You'd mentioned before the idea that maybe Lower Decks isn't in continuity with the rest of Star Trek. As I've consistently noted, my view on continuity is that, well, in a way, none of this ever happened to anyone ever. So it's really just arguing about different levels of what didn't happen. But I think that 
excising Lower Decks from the rest of Star Trek would actually be a bad move. If it was a show that was in the Family Guy mould, if it was a show that was purely hollow caricatures shouting at each other, I'd happily see it cast out. But this is a show full of people who, by and large, like each other and want to be liked by each other. And I think Crisis Points demonstrates that there is depth and complexity to them beyond what I had initially expected and certainly what the show could have been. And I think that exploration of their psychology, that exploration of how they relate to themselves in the universe around them, it would be a shame for Star Trek as a whole to look past that simply because it's a show with a different attitude and a different style to the rest of them. So I really liked Crisis Point. Uh, yeah, no, 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 you're absolutely right. I wouldn't want it to be just like, this is the show where we parody Star Trek and it's Family Guy, as you say, or, or Rick and Marty, and we're just completely, uh, you know, we're just completely taking a sledgehammer to Star Trek and ha ha ha, how silly it is, uh, which is something that is entirely plausible to believe uh, during maybe not so much the Kurtzman era, but the early Abrams era where it felt like, Star, you know, the Abrams version of Star Trek always feels like it's very slightly, maybe not hugely, but slightly embarrassed of uh, being Star Trek. And Abrams himself was pretty open about, you know, not really caring that much about Star Trek um, and using it as a stepping stone to Star Wars, as it were. Um, but um, I know Kurtzman uh, cares a lot. And this is that's the thing. Lower Decks was the first really strong sign. Well, that's not being fair to Discovery. I think there was a lot on Discovery where you could tell it was being made by people who love Star Trek. But, um, it, but it was the first sign of like, yeah, this feels like it's being made by people who really love Star Trek and really want to... Uh, do homage to it and don't want to tear it down. I, there's, you have to make a distinction, I think, between deconstruction and really sharp-tongued parody. Uh, which and and Lower Decks is the former. Um, I've heard a lot of people, for instance, a lot when people are talking about Watchmen. Uh, or, or some of Alan Moore's other work, they'll they'll often say, "Well, he obviously hates superheroes and so on," and that's never. That's that's clearly never been true to me. I, I think he loves superheroes, but he wants to analyze them and seriously talk about their flaws, but also everything that makes it a, a superhero story. And I think this is coming from a similar place. Now, and this is less so than it, it's not even as much of a deconstruction as those. It is still a story about Star Trek, as I say. It does basically follow the rules of Star Trek. Um, there's things where they do amusing little. Um, lampshade hangings which are in and of themselves arguably poking a hole in star trek like oh yeah i got a piece of corn on my uh on my badge pip and that's why i have the wrong level of pip. like that that's clearly them having a laugh at star trek but also well that's pr probably not a very realistic explanation for why that happens but it shows you that they're aware that it's an issue and that they're you know it's it goes beyond just ha how silly is it because the normies watching Star Trek have never noticed that ever in their life. It's only the hardcore fans that would ever have an issue with that. Um, so tonally, it does walk a very fine line, and I think it does a really good job with that. Uh, so that is that is pretty impressive in that regard. And it is, you're right. I wouldn't want it to just be treated as like, okay, this is this is. I I suspect it is being treated to a degree like this doesn't matter and we're not like, I don't think you're ever going to see Boimler show up on Picard or anything like that. Like that's not going to happen. Or if it does, it'll be like, maybe they might, 
do a thing. I mean, well, of course, there is the fact that Riker and the Titan have been on both Picard and and uh, Lower Decks, which, uh, according to the creators of the show, uh, was not really intended at first. Obviously, they had to get uh, Jonathan Frakes and and everything cleared for that. Um, it, that's actually interesting because you see the different uh, shows that are on right now, and and now that we've leapt forward to a post Nemesis timeline, there's some there has to be some coordination between the three to figure out like where we are and how, you know, we can tell a story without impacting the other. And the fact that Lower Decks doesn't really impact the other two too horribly. And it it does actually jive even with the broader themes. Um, You can even, if you may be taking it way too seriously, but you could argue that since Picard is showing, a bit of a decline for the Federation that you can see uh, some of the issues with the Starfleet and the Federation coming through in lower decks, simply in the fact that these are the non-officer crews and this is some of the nonsense they have to deal with on a regular basis, <laughs> which doesn't always work as well as you'd like it to do. Most notably the episode where they all have uh, timesheets or whatever the futuristic equivalent is, and they all have to, to keep abreast of it. And, and so, I mean, it's clear that Starfleet is not this perfectly run organization. It's never been, there's always been rogue admirals and all kinds of stuff like that um there is a at the three shows don't um you know fall out of sync with each other in any way in terms of the larger continuity if that's something you actually care about um there is a larger uh, uh there's a larger arc there and if and not to get too heavily into picard and discovery but um it is significant i think that picard shows a possible decline for the federation but Maybe not, but also the thing that really broke up the Federation in Discovery is unrelated. It was essentially a natural disaster. Um, so, which I, th- I I like that. Now, you can argue that doesn't provide this nice, smooth transition, but I do like that because, as we mentioned in the earlier episode, history isn't a straight line. It's not like, well, this is happening, and therefore... 600 years later that happened it's like well there'll be bumps and 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 ticks on the way and i think uh in its very roundabout way i'm not sure you even the lower deck writers would would say this but it is wrestling with that a little not not to get too heavy in our episode about this comedy animated show but i think the real issue that we're seeing in all these is that uh when when uh the original show was on the air it was as we've as we've talked about it, it was the era of you know, the Camelot, well, post-Camelot, post-Kennedy, but still, you know, American exceptionalism and this great, strong, flexing muscle in the world. The Burman era was po- mostly post-Cold War and pre-9-11. Again, it overlapped that a little, but it was the the era of, well, end of history. America's doing great. Uh, we're going to continue to move towards the stars. And now we're seeing, you know, if the Federation is America and or American imperialism uh, or the world order under America. We're seeing people have a lot of issues with that and struggle with that in ways that maybe conflict with Star Trek's ideology. And that's coming through in all three of those shows, including Lower Decks. But it's much subtler on Lower Decks, I think. I think that's definitely in there. And I do find that actually interesting when you see all three of them in concert. So that's actually a weird thing. You're saying um, the other two are very lead and heavy, but I think the fact that I've been able to flip back to Lower Decks every so often has maybe made me have a bit more of a, a an upbeat reaction to some aspects of Picard and, and Discovery that maybe people didn't like as much. That's a really interesting point about Lower Decks as part of like, if you will, a continuity of decline. Because um, I hadn't seen it in that way, but I think you're absolutely right. And that comes through, I think, in part with 
for example, how they depict the Titan, that life on the Titan is constant gunfights and spectacle and adventure, but that Boimler rejects that in favour of an older and more pure idea that Star Trek is not ultimately about that, that what makes Starfleet great is that spirit of exploration and discovery of strange new worlds and encountering and embracing strangeness and that the Titan, a ship which is considerably more prestigious than the Cerritos, having departed from that mission somewhat. And that, I think, as you've noted, feeds perfectly into where Starfleet is at in Picard, being an organisation which has departed from that charitable spirit to some degree, an organisation that lost its way after the destruction of Romulus and opted for the safer, conservative route of self-preservation over openness to new people and new experiences. So to the extent that in Lower Decks itself you see a tension between the scientific history of Starfleet and the militarised state that it's in as of 2331, I think that actually feeds quite well into where it ends up 20 years later in Picard. And that, I think, feeds into another thing that is really, really Star Trek about Lower Decks, that it's at once conscious of this contrast between the scientific mission of Starfleet and the fact that all of our characters are military officers who carry guns on their waists and that it makes this explicit opting in favour of this scientific discovery is at the heart of Star Trek and everything else is peripheral or indeed everything else is in conflict with that. And I mean both Disco and Picard have at times wrestled with that. Disco's season one finale in which the crew consciously reject the idea of a violent solution to war with the Klingons in favour of will you take my hand? I think that was possibly the high point of discovery for me. It was the sense when the show was clearest of its values and what it was trying to do. And obviously Picard season one ends on a very similar note. But I think within those shows themselves there's often a tension between the sometimes very ostentatious darkness. Bad things are happening. We're in a world of cruel people and innocence abroad are in danger. And the story they're trying to tell about better ideals triumphing. Lower Decks feels more Star Trek in that it's not just a show about innocence abroad in a dark and dangerous world. It is a show which really consciously adheres to the idea that Starfleet and the Federation are driven by this higher ideal. That is what is at the core, and when we turn into a show about action and adventure, we can lose sight of this history of which we are a part. The, you mentioned the military. like That was explicitly a theme of the first season of Discovery. We're not talking about Lord X now for a second, but um, the, the, just that it was very much about the tension between are we a military organization or are we a scientific organization. That was like almost very specifically what the first season of discovery was about which i thought was kind of interesting um i actually always thought that you get these arguments of like oh starfleet's not a military organization well clearly it's a military organization all this back and forth um something i was thinking you know the other day is that you can make the argument that like um uh, they probably said oh you know the federation probably went to the romulan let's say the romulans and went 
oh no, we're not a military organization. And the Romans were like, you're building this huge coalition of forces. You've got these powerful starships. We want, you know, you better do this and you better put it in there. Like, it's not a military organization. It's a scientific organization. And they said, what are you talking about? Of course, it's a military organization. You've got guns. He's like, well, we won't have cloaking devices. And the Romans like, no, 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 that's not good enough. We don't, we still don't trust you. Still probably way more of you than there are of us. There's thousands of worlds. And they're like, well, how about we, you know, we'll, we'll show you. We'll put kids. We'll put kids on our ship. We'll put we'll put like a gymnasium and a and a terrarium and and we'll have diplomatic fun. We'll put all the all the stuff people complain about being on the Enterprise D is like it's there. See, you know, if if you attack us, look at look at what's going to happen. We've got uh, we've got all our all our kindergarten on board. You know, we're not we're not fighting a military, and that that actually makes a certain amount of sense for <laughs> for, for the arrangement. And they were honest about it; they weren't being sneaky about it. But that kind of does uh, that actually does make a certain amount of sense. I think um, anyway, just getting a little off topic but i thought that would be a funny way to, to reconcile those those different values of of, uh, of star trek as it were uh but yeah anyway i mean that uh that is definitely um it, by its nature lower decks isn't as much about discovery and science as the others like that is actually baked into the premise that it's more about connecting the dots and as you say it's the people who sweep the floor in the star trek universe so it's going to be veer a little closer to uh star trek uh, then uh, or Star Wars rather, uh, in which a galaxy in which everyone hangs out together, and you're not meeting new races, you're just hanging out with aliens, and they live down the street from you, and you get you get a drink together at the bar. Uh, that's going to be closer to, to Lower Decks, and again, they're not doing the big exploration missions. I don't think there's been a single episode of Lower Decks where they found like a new phenomenon. I think it's all been. Um, you know, again, cleaning up other people's or dealing with the fallout from other things. And again, that is the nature of the show. And I think that's actually neat. Uh, I've always said, I, I think you were the one who said as well, like we've always wanted to see more of uh, the Star Trek universe from the perspective of non-Starfleet people, which we got a, a certain amount of on Deep Space Nine. That was a big thing. And in fact, um, that is a, I don't, I don't think you've seen Prodigy yet, but that is very much part of the premise of Prodigy as well. Uh, I would describe it, it's only been uh, two or three, if you count the two-parter first episode as, a two, as two episodes. We're only three episodes into Prodigy, and it's, it's very much the premise of what if some Star Wars characters uh, had an, ex uh, an opportunity to escape into the Star Trek universe. That's essentially the premise. Um, it, it's, it's very much dealing with people who are not Starfleet, but they're getting involved with Starfleet, and they're and in fact, one of the things I like the most about it, it's a kids show. I'm not really the target audience. There's one or two things that you know might be a bit grating if you're an adult, especially. Uh, but there are bits of it I really like so far, and one of them is that presented with, "Hey, come join Starfleet. Here's a Starfleet ship. You should come to us." The main character, who has known nothing but slavery and oppression his entire life, says. Uh, this is a trap, right? I mean, this is obviously, this is not a real thing. It's too good to be true. It must be something trying to, to fool us and trick us into what we're doing. And I thought that was really neat. And that tension is something hopefully they're going to explore throughout the show in that, in that it's characters who don't believe in the Federation, don't believe in Starfleet. Um, so, uh, so that's, uh, you know, but, but, it, but it ties back into the fact that, you know, we talk about Starfleet as utopia, um, this is a this is a problem you run into when people are writing Superman too. It's the idea that well you can't write Superman as flawed or having anything less than perfect or you know you're you're violating the spirit of Superman. And it's true that you know DC for instance has been writing Superman as violent, angry Superman who breaks his code for a long time because they think regular Superman is boring and lame. 
um, and that's frustrating to people. But you have to also have Superman as who can mess up, who can maybe have dis- differences of opinion on, and who isn't always perfect, uh, who isn't morally pure, because that's narrative, that's drama, that's the only way you can have that story. And I think uh, Lower Decks is, and that's true of Star Trek as well. I think Star Trek is coming at it uh, from a perspective where you can deal with the issues and the problems of uh, the world we've built and still have it be hopeful and aspirational without having to say, oh, but everything's perfect, everyone's happy all the time. (laughs) And I think that's something that Hollywood struggles with. But, you know, I have to give props to the whole Kurtzman era to a certain degree. I think they've dealt with it in a way that isn't completely like, ah, Star Trek is lame for saying it's a utopia. They're still clinging to that ideal. They, They stumble, they have issues... Uh, but they do deal with it, and they're dealing with it from multiple perspectives. And now that we've got Prodigy and Lower Decks and presumably Strange New Worlds, they all have different tones as well, which I think is really interesting. Like, I'm, I, I've been developing a bit of a snark towards Star Wars lately, um, you know, which I love Star Wars. But but I, I've been feeling like that Star Wars has announced like eight new shows, and they're obviously trying to do what Star Trek's doing. Uh, but all those shows kind of feel the same. Like, there's only two or three different modes you get with Star Wars. Like, literally, there's going to be two about Mandalorian bounty hunters, and I'm wondering, like, you know, do we need that, really? Is there going to be enough to distinguish these two stories? Uh, whereas with Star Trek, it hasn't felt that way, and they can keep adding new shows. Not, Which is, again, not to say I want to see the Section 31 show, but there's many different areas you could uh, attack, and the, they feel different. They feel like different shows. They don't feel like, oh, God, it's another show about you know Riker on the Titan or whatever even though that has now appeared on two of the shows it feels varied enough um, that it the, the the Star Trek universe and and that and on top of everything else helps the Star Trek universe feel fleshed out and interesting and diverse which I think is really a really neat trick so as you've guessed I have not seen Prodigy I am looking forward to us doing a special episode <laughs> on it many years from now when I finally get around to watching it um, I currently feel about Prodigy, I think, the way I felt about Lower Decks last year. This is an interesting idea. I'm not necessarily sure that it's for me, uh, but, like, I mean, I ended up watching Lower Decks because people on Twitter said, wow, this show has really found its feet in its second season, and I think they were right. Maybe something similar will happen with Prodigy, that there'll be enough good Twitter buzz that I will get into it. I'm... If... I think that the point that you made about different tones is really, really important. Like, I've consistently said on this podcast, I don't like it when people say that something is or isn't Star Trek. This idea of gatekeeping a fairly narrow idea of what the show is, or even gatekeeping a fairly narrow idea of what love for the show entails. Like you said earlier, deconstruction is not necessarily the same thing as sharp criticism. That just as Alan Moore clearly loves superheroes or clearly appreciates superheroes enough to spend an entire career trying to come to grips with the concept and work out what it means in different contexts. I think what Star Trek is trying to do at the moment, in fits and starts with varying levels of success, is not to break Star Trek down, but to work out what role it can play in a contemporary world and how you can refashion some of the tropes of the show and some of the mythology of the show to suit contemporary mores. And sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes it can be dull, and sometimes they can get the balance wrong. But I I don't want to encourage any line of critique placing certain things outside the barrier or saying that something is or is not Star Trek to the extent that they are genuinely trying to. 
ensure the show's survival in a new world. The one exception being the Section 31 show, which, as we have noted, I'm really, really sceptical of how that can be Star Trek. And I'm conscious that that is in contrast to everything that I've just said, but part of what Star Trek encourages is that we can contradict ourselves and still be in continuity. Um, now, I'm conscious that we're drawing to the end of the episode. I wanted to discuss before we end the question of what can be improved about Lower Decks and what's still not working about the show. Because as I've made quite clear, I really, really like this show. It's been a point of consistent light and happiness in what's been, to be blunt, a fairly difficult and trying year. But it's not 100% perfect yet. Um, I think that sometimes they can get the balance wrong between comedy, uh, between comedy and Star Trek. That sometimes... Um, the jokes don't necessarily work. As you said at the outset, if it was a show that was purely a comedy or which was purely riding on comedic success, I'm not sure that it is necessarily the funniest show on TV. But the other thing that I think still isn't working just right is the packleds. I totally understand why they want to revisit the packleds because if this is a show that is in large part about an affectionate not entirely reverential take on Star Trek history and holding certain things up to the light and examining how would this really work or admitting this is actually kind of stupid. The idea of a race whose entire concept is they are not that bright is exactly the sort of thing which could benefit from a comedic take. But their attempt to make the packleds at once very stupid and also a legitimate threat, I don't think the balance is there just yet. I think there are limits to how far we can at once take the Packled seriously as a dramatic engine, while also leaning into the idea that it is an entire civilization built upon genuinely implausible levels of stupidity. I think this is something where the show's two conflicting aims genuinely are in conflict with each other. I would rather see the Packleds either work as a threat and used as a threat accordingly, or treat it as an engine for pure comedy. I just don't think the balance is right that you can use them for both. What do you think, Adam, is not quite working about the show or could be improved? Well, I want to say I, I totally disagree with you about the fact that it's honestly, I think they were used beautifully oh. on that show because they are such a ridiculous conceit and it was probably never going to see them on one of the serious shows again. So it was just as well that, you know, that uh, Lower Decks grabbed hold of them uh, to use them. Uh, I think that it was used really well because we did learn, spoilers if you haven't seen it, that it wasn't just that the Packleds were doing this, it was that they were being armed by the Klingons. Uh, I think that was actually a very good, uh, that, that was the crucial sort of, linchpin that made it hold all together in a way uh where they're okay they're just about a, a plausible threat but even so it's on this comedic show against a second class starship uh and 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 even even what they were doing up to that point wasn't out of sync with how we knew them like we knew that they were people who stole stuff and used it and and appropriated everything for, that they could find to to uh to make themselves uh better <laughs> to look for things so they could go 
Um, and um, it's, I got to tell my sister that they're using the pack lids because we spend our childhood going, we look for things to make us go to each other the whole time. Um, but uh, I, I also have to say, I think the pack lids are done. I think that's that they were this, they were a couple episodes this season and that's going to be it. I don't think we're actually going to see the pack lids be a running threat. If they become a major running threat next year or whatever, I think, yes, that's too much and maybe a follow-up episode, but like, yeah, they're not going to be, they shouldn't be a major part of the storyline going forward because that was, that was a bit ridiculous. Uh, the fact that, the fact that they were being cat's paws for another, uh, for, for another bit of intrigue was a much better way to use them uh, to my mind. So, uh, so I'm okay with that. I think that actually worked really well. Um, I basically touched on the things I'm not sure about with Lower Decks. Um, you know, I think it took a while to find its tone. I think, as you say, it's not always hilarious because it is trying to be like a, an action adventure show and a comedy show at once. So it's not, it doesn't just go purely with the comedic idea. And I don't think it necessarily could and be within Star Trek continuity as it were. Um, I think that um, I'd like to see it, like I say, focus. I, I honestly wouldn't mind an episode or two. It doesn't have to be the whole show, but I would like to see sort of the, the as it were, cleaning up the holodeck episode uh, where it's just, there's, there's nothing else. Um, so I've already basically uh, said it, but a lot of that is a lot of the criticisms I'm having are just sort of, well, they could do more rather than, it's bad in this specific way. Uh, I I feel like maybe if you put a gun to the head, the tone is a little off. They do talk like 20th century people, which has usually not been a problem with Star Trek and actually isn't with the new shows either, which has been impressive to me. Uh, and I feel like, you know, hey, dude, what are you doing? Like that, the, having them talk that way it still rumples a bit because that's not Star Trek uh, to me, but um, you know, that's a, that's a bit of a nitpick. Um, and, if, and again, this may be unavoidable when you're doing a comedy show as well. Um, so, and, and it does actually, it, it, we talked about in the past about the Trek filter and how every, you know, every version of Star Trek is being seen through the era that it's part of. And that reflects in the aesthetics of the show, not just, you know, what the themes of the show are. Um, and I think you, you could maybe call this a part of that. So like we're seeing lower decks through a certain Trek filter that makes it into a goofy, uh, you know, 2020s era sitcom and prodigy for that matter has a, you know, a kid's, uh, star Warsy zippy animated, uh, action show, uh, filtered through it which is diff with the dialogue and the way the characters behave as well as the visual aesthetics of the show and the way uh you know things are portrayed so i'm going to extend that logic uh to the various shows and say you could do a star trek show where it was you know you could do one that it was you know written in shakespearean prose if you wanted to you could do a you could do a a a, a completely um abstract uh, art film version of Star Trek, if you wanted, that was in black and white with them slowly smoking on cigarettes. And it would all work because it's all the Trek filter. That's what I'm going to say. So that's the only, uh, that's really the only major criticism I have of, uh, of, of Lower Decks, as it were. I think it's working very well as a show and getting better as it goes. You have just inspired two new criticisms on my part. First, that this show is not, in fact, Shakespearean Star Trek, entirely told in iambic pentameter. <laughs> and second, that this is not, in fact, a black and white art film in which the characters are taking long, <laughs> solemn drags on hand-rolled cigarettes. Yeah. They'll get there. That's, Having, that's the coming uh, shows. The new Star Trek shows are going to be that, the black and white art film. Yeah. 
I've waited long enough, Adam. I can't <laughs> wait much longer for Shake's trick. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think that's a wrap for this week. Would you like to plug your other projects and tell people where they can find us? Yes. Uh, I, as always, I do another uh, podcast, What Mad Universe, with uh, Philip Rice, and it is at neversleepsnetwork.com slash series slash what-mad-universe. Um, I, I guess I'll put this out there. I'm managing a website called heroeslive.tv, which is a, uh, a streaming service that's going to be offering uh, both video content and comics content. Uh, and I'm the comics editor. Uh, we're just, we're just starting out. We're just building up our library, but, uh, we're going to launch seriously in the new year, but you can go there right now and try it out and see some of the stuff that's, that's available there. Uh, so, you know, that we've got a few things. We've got uh, Chuck Whelan's Pufel, which I, uh, he's a friend of mine that we worked on. Um, various other things. Uh, I did do, uh, I guess I should mention, I actually did a Lower Decks uh, comic, a fan comic, um, which I uh, is actually available to people who want to subscribe to my Patreon. If you go to Patreon uh, slash Phantasmic Tales, P-H-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C, Tales, as in stories, um, that's a P-H, uh, you can actually subscribe. You can read uh, my little Lower Decks comic uh, that I did. It's it's short, but I think it's in the spirit of the show. I would really like it if the... Apparently the Star Trek's uh, spin-off comics are in a bit of a weird legal limbo at the moment, uh, which is why apparently there hasn't been a lot of Star Trek spin-offs. But if they ever do a Lower Decks spin-off context, uh, Mike McMahon or IDW or whoever has the rights, give me a call. I would love to do a Lower Decks, the Lower Decks comic. Uh, I'll do that <laughs> anytime you choose. Um... And I'll, that's my addition piece for that. Um, but uh, they're not listening to this, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but, and yeah, so that's uh, the main things that I'm working on. I might be launching a Kickstarter soon, but uh, I don't think it's the right time to announce that yet. So uh, let's just assume that if you follow me on Twitter at Prankster36, you can hear about all the various projects that I have going, which are always a lot of different things. Um, and... Uh, that's about it. What? Anything from you, Douglas? Oh, no. I provide legal services for money, but I don't take direct access briefs. So unless you are looking to brief me, um, I'm going to say... Unless you are looking to brief me and I am required to accept a brief from you pursuant to the professional conduct rules by which I am bound, then I am going to say no. <laughs> and you're in Australia. And on that... And I'm in Australia, so my ability to advise you on your legal pro problems is correspondingly quite limited. Um, but that have also, I'm legally prohibited from advertising myself and my services. So if that wasn't enough discouragement to ask me to solve your legal problem, this hopefully will be. Um, on that note, once again, thank you for tuning in to the Mirror Universe podcast. Live long and prosper. And we'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>